Hi, I'm your host, Kimberly Thomas-Tigg, and you're listening to Signalize, a Dazzle for Rare podcast. Whether you're a patient, advocate, caregiver, or a clinician, Signalize is your source for good news, personal stories, events, and the things that rare and associated communities care about. Follow Signalize and Dazzle for Rare at D-A-Z-Z-L-E, the number four, R-A-R-E, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, where we'll post episode links, updates, and more. Finally, the day is upon us, the 28th of February, Rare Disease Day. We all think that we know all about Rare Disease Day, but let's take a trip in the Wayback Machine and look at this day and its modest beginnings. The first instance that I could find on rarediseaseday.org was the 1st of February 2008. At that time, there were only 17 countries listed as having national events. By 2011, the website had several more contributing countries. Reading their About Us page says, Rare Disease Day is an annual awareness-raising event coordinated by Eurodis at the international level and national alliances of patient organizations at the national level. February 28, 2011 will mark the fourth International Rare Disease Day coordinated by Eurodis and organized with rare disease national alliances in 25 countries. On that date, hundreds of patient organizations from more than 40 countries worldwide will be organizing, awareness-raising activities and events, converging around the slogan, Rare but Equal. Hundreds of patient groups and their partners, coordinated by national alliances at the country level, are planning a multitude of events to draw attention to rare diseases and the millions of people who are affected by them. Awareness-raising activities are being planned across Europe, all the way to Russia, Georgia, Armenia, as well as the U.S., Canada, and as far as Australia, New Zealand, China, and Japan. Over time, the website got to the colorful rebrand that we know today, featuring a logo of colorful hands overlap. As of 2019 and into current times, the message remains largely the same, encouraging people to reach out to public policymakers and raise general public awareness on a local level. This day is more than face painting, more than social media posts and fun runs. The 28th of February gives thousands of rare disease communities around the world the opportunity to create meaningful relationships, organize public policy discussions, or letter-writing campaigns, and continue to conceive of ways to make a tangible impact on rare lives of their families, local communities, and the world around us that are deeply impacted by rare disease. For this episode of Signalize, we have several news items, some coming to you from our communities and some things that are in the general public news that are centered around health. So let's just jump in. Our first news item comes from NCBRS. Uh, This I found on their Twitter page and wanted to share with everybody here today. Are you an NCBRS adult patient, 18 or over, or a caregiver looking for a way to make a difference in research? We're looking for individuals to participate in a research study to map out the clinical features of NCBRS, raise awareness, and help develop appropriate improved care for younger patients. Two researchers from the Institute of Human Genetics in Dusseldorf, Germany, are conducting a study on the clinical signs of NCBRS in adult patients. If you'd like to participate in the study, you can reach out to NCBRS directly at their email address, contactus, that's C-O-N-T-A-C-T-U-S, at ncbrs.com. The good folks at NCBRS will put you in touch with the study lead if you'd like to participate, and we'll also include a link in the show notes. 
In celebrity news, we have more unfortunate news about a beloved celebrity. On March 30, 2022, it was revealed that actor Bruce Willis was experiencing symptoms of aphasia. According to the NIH, aphasia is a complicated disorder that disrupts a person's ability to communicate. It's caused by damage to one or more of the language areas of the brain. People with aphasia may have trouble understanding and using language. Often, reading and writing abilities are also impaired. This condition affects about 1 million people in the U.S. Now, in this instance, clearly aphasia itself is a symptom that can be caused by lots of different conditions. One condition that is fairly common in its causing of aphasia is stroke. So it makes sense why so many people in the U.S. are affected by this particular symptom. However, it has since been announced that Bruce Willis is suffering from a condition called temporal lobe dementia, of which aphasia is a symptom. This condition affects the brain's temporal lobes, leading to memory loss, difficulty with language and communication, and changes in mood and behavior. There is no known cure for temporal lobe dementia, but treatments may include medication and therapy to manage symptoms. I wanted to include a bit from the statement from Bruce Willis's family in regards to his diagnosis. This comes from a February 16th statement. Since we announced Bruce's diagnosis of aphasia in spring of 2022, Bruce's condition has progressed, and we have a more specific diagnosis, frontotemporal dementia, known as FTD. Unfortunately, challenges with communication are just one common symptom of the disease Bruce faces. While this is painful, it is a relief to finally have a clear diagnosis. Further, toward the end of the statement, the family says, Ours is just one family with a loved one who suffers from FTD, and we encourage others facing it to seek out the wealth of information and support available through AFTD. And for those who have been fortunate enough not to have any personal experience with FTD, we hope that you will take time to learn about it and support AFTD's mission in whatever way you can. Bruce has always found joy in life and has helped everyone he knows to do the same. It's meant the world to see that sense of care echoed back to him and to all of us. We've been so moved by the love that you've all shared for our dear husband, father, and friend during this difficult time. Your continued compassion, understanding, and respect will enable us to help Bruce live as full a life as possible. When I first saw the announcement of Bruce's condition, uh, or the fact that he was experiencing aphasia, I remember telling my husband that aphasia is not an uncommon symptom, which is why I think so many people in the United States are listed as having aphasia as a symptom, uh, up to potentially one million Americans. Aphasia can be caused by many things. It can be part of a neurological condition, as in the case of Bruce Willis, or it can be caused by brain injury, either an acquired brain injury through stroke or a traumatic brain injury could potentially damage the part of the brain that helps handle the language and speech functions, which are part of aphasia. Uh, while I'm sad for the family of Bruce Willis, I'm glad that they did release more information and that they're showing support for the foundation that looks after folks with FTD. So I will drop the family statement in the show notes as well as links to the AFTD.org website. We have more news coming from the UK. According to Medical News Today, doctors in the United Kingdom have used a revolutionary gene therapy to cure a toddler who has a rare genetic disorder. MLD, or metachromic leukodystrophy, is a rare genetic disorder that affects the nervous system. 
this new expensive genetic cure costs approximately 3 million pounds. For those of you in the United States, that comes out to uh, a bit around over 360 million, probably closer to 362 million dollars. This new genetic cure and the medication Libmeldi will be offered by the NHS to only a handful of children born with MLD. The ethical implications of offering such an expensive treatment to only a few individuals may raise concerns for some about ethical and equitable access to health care, the role of pharmaceutical companies in the setting of prices, and the prioritization of scarce resources in society. We're glad to hear that this rare condition now has a genetic cure, and in this case, Libmeldi. The issue remains that many rare conditions are not diagnosed in a timely manner, leaving children like the recipient in this case, Teddy Shaw, unlikely to be identified in time. Unfortunately, her older sister also has the condition and will not be able to benefit from this life-saving treatment. I'm sure that in the coming months and years, we'll be hearing more about treatments like Libmeldi, and we'll have more conversations about health access, equity, and the potential future implications of genetic cures. But for now, I think many of us as parents can rejoice that Teddy will hopefully live a full and healthy life. On the topic of drug development, Rett syndrome has recently been in the pharmaceutical news as, quote, a rare disease market with huge untapped potential for pharmaceutical companies. Don't you just love how companies and industry talk about patients? <laughs> Those unfamiliar, uh, a pharmaceutical pipeline is a list of drug candidates that an individual pharmaceutical company or the pharmaceutical industry collectively has under discovery or development at any given time. This process can be quite lengthy, taking 10 to 15 years and can cost hundreds of millions of whatever your currency is to develop. Though timelines have sped up since the recent pandemic vaccine race, it's likely that timelines will still remain lengthy for complex therapies and potentially genetic cures like Libmeldi, which we just spoke about. If you have been involved in Dazzle Frere over the last few years, you may be familiar with the Pitt-Hopkins syndrome community, uh, Sue Routledge. Sue is also very much involved in the Rett syndrome community. So I was interested when I saw this pop up on my newsfeed. We will be following this and other drug development stories in the news that affect our communities uh, in future episodes. So stay tuned for that. It just wouldn't be an episode of Signalize these days if I didn't mention new developments in Twitter news. In ongoing Twitter news, the company has announced changes to its 2FA or two-factor authentication. These changes will take place around the end of March, I believe March 20th. 2FA is a security measure that requires users to provide two forms of identification to access their accounts, typically a password and a code that could be sent via SMS message to their phone. Over the years, many of us have gotten used to using this form of two-factor authentication to quickly get into social media accounts or shopping websites. However, Twitter is going away from that. Uh, so this change may be a bit of a barrier to access for those who are not technologically inclined who will be urged to switch to a passcode generator such as Google Authenticator or 1Password. While the aforementioned Google Authenticator and 1Password are fairly easy to use 
For those who struggle with using multiple apps to log into their social media accounts, this may not be a welcome change. In Amazon news, the last episode of Signalize, we mentioned that Amazon Smile would be discontinued in March of 2023. As a response to the discontinuation of this service, Global Genes has crafted a letter, and there are several signatories from the rare disease community who have signed on. The first count I saw was 17, but I do believe it's quite a bit more than that now. I will leave a link to the letter, and you can see the signatories at the bottom of the letter if you click on the link in the show notes. While I am personally skeptical that Amazon will take a change of course, I do hope that the letter and the many signatories will perhaps persuade them to rethink their strategy or create a potentially, hopefully better program that will continue to help support rare disease communities globally. So fingers crossed and certainly we'll keep you updated. Staying with large companies and the decisions that they make which affect our communities, we have direct-to-consumer or D2C genetic testing companies and using Rare Disease Day to promote genetic testing sales. Now, this may be a controversial topic for some listeners. In fact, previous years of Dazzle for Rare, we talked a lot about this topic and I even wrote two articles about it. But my mind has changed after speaking with experts in various areas of the industry, such as researchers, laboratory staff, validators. Um, I've read quite a few multi-country regulatory studies talking about the legal implications of genetic testing across the EU and in other countries. And I've also heard directly from undiagnosed patients about their own personal experiences I'm not aiming at any particular company as I've been receiving emails, as you probably have, from several different companies offering Rare Disease Day offers and expanded results or reports, some boasting clinical grade results and hinting at diagnostic information. The person best placed to provide patients with diagnostic information is their clinician or their genetic counselor who is well-versed in rare disease. I would urge folks to conduct their own extensive research into companies, especially their privacy policies, their biobanking policies and statements, what they do with any excess biological material. Are they biobanking it? Are they disposing of it? How are they disposing of it? The data that governs the laws in your country and in the testing labs country, how that may be addressed in your country if you're in the EU, and where your data is being stored. Is your data being transported across EU lines into other countries and vice versa? There are also ethical implications of selling genetic tests to consumers who believe they may have a rare genetic condition. The additional ethical concerns are complex and numerous and far too complex for me to talk about right now. However, it should be said that distributors of these genetic tests do bear a social and ethical responsibility to provide accurate and validated information, to protect the privacy of consumers, and to prevent harm that could result from the presentation of data disclosing a potentially fatal or life-threatening condition without access to a qualified genetic counselor. So concerns about the potential of misuse of genetic information and the lack of regulation and regulatory consistency are also very important considerations. I'd like you to sound off. Feel free to tag us on social media and let us know what you think about companies using Rare Disease Day to sell product. 
Our last bit of news for today is some good news from a member of Team Dazzle, Carrie Wong. Carrie also goes by the moniker Float Like a Butterfly, her Facebook blog, and she also writes for Sarcoidosis News, which is an online magazine. So we bring you this announcement from Carrie. Carrie is announcing an upcoming book called Kaleidoscope, Rare Disease Stories Told by the People Who Live Them. The book will feature true stories sharing some aspect of life with a rare disease. Proceeds from sales will be donated to Nord. This project aims to bring greater awareness to the experiences of those living with rare diseases and to raise funds for advocacy and research. As usual, there is quite a lot on the calendar coming up in the month of March, and I won't go into extensive detail. However, you can find all of these dates and more, the Dazzle for Rare International Awareness Days calendar and the Rare Disease Community Events calendar. So the month of March is Grin Awareness Month. We have a non-rare National Chronic Fatigue Syndrome Awareness Month. We have Bleeding Disorders Awareness Month. GRI Awareness Month, strangely, National Bed Month, and I'm assuming that's an American thing, being an American, and I gotta say I am here for it because (laughs) I tend to spend quite a fair amount of time in mine and I love my bed. Other dates in March are Neuromyelitis Optica Awareness Month, Trisomy Awareness Month, Wilson Disease Awareness Month, And finally, KCNQ2 Awareness Week. Monday, March the 6th, we have Turn the Town Teal for World Lymphedema Day. I can't believe I got through Turn the Town Teal, but lymphedema was difficult. Um, That is Monday, March 6th. Then we have British Science Week for us folks here in the UK, and that occurs from the 10th of March through to the 18th, and there is a website, so I will happily drop that in the show notes as well. More fun in the month of March, we have the good folks from Action for Duchenne who are putting on several science tours across the UK in the month of March. Each of those dates are not only on their website, they're also on their Eventbrite page, and they're also on the Dazzle for calendar. So feel free to check those out throughout the month of March if you're able to get out for those. Getting back to another day that mm, sounds suspiciously American is World Sleep Day. Now, obviously, it's not rare, but Many of us can most certainly relate (laughs) awareness days centered around beds or sleeping because low-key, always tired. So I'm looking forward to celebrating World Sleep Day on the 17th of March by sleeping. And they have a website called worldsleepday.org. There are so many more dates in our international rare disease awareness days and our community events. But the last one that I'm going to mention today out of the many that are on the calendar is International Champ One Awareness Day. If you missed any of these dates, don't worry about it. They're already in the diary for you. All you have to do is go to our website, dazzleforrare.net, that's D-A-Z-Z-L-E, the number four, R-A-R-E dot net, and we have a calendar tab at the top of our new website. Click on that, that'll show you the calendar in our page, and you can also access the calendar using iCal or other universal calendar format. If you're not sure how to access those formats, then please feel free to email me and I'll be happy to send you the correct link for your particular calendar program. 
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Signalize, a Dazzle for Air podcast. To stay up to date on the podcast and Dazzle for Air, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at D-A-Z-Z-L-E, the number four, Rare, R-A-R-E. And finally, if you liked this episode, share it with a friend and tag us on social media platforms.